Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey y'all, I am so excited because I am back in studio with not just me, not just Nick, our sound engineer, but this time with a very special guest, my dear friend Haley, who is an incredible entrepreneur, mental health advocate, and is building Chill Pill, a really incredible app for Gen Z women talking about mental health. So Haley, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So we met a year ago when I slid into your DMs on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> um, and we eventually met I remember and we walked around in hot hot New York City mm-hmm. and yeah we just really clicked and now we hang out and we work together and our boyfriends also hang yeah. out <laughs> um, at the Harvard Club at the Harvard Club <laughs> playing squash um it's like a very cute yeah bromance that we really are we're really virgin bromance (laughs) Haley and I are really trying to wingman into happening (laughs) anyways so a high level like before we dive into it uh would love for you to just give like a quick snippet on what chill pill is yeah totally so chill pill is an app for gen z female identifying non-binary gender fluid folks um for mental health support. So essentially, you can attend audio-only peer support groups that are led by members of the community that volunteer to lead them around a range of mental health topics. It's all anonymous and accessible and free. Um, And really, it's like women supporting women, which is really, um, it's been a super fun thing to build. I mean, it's incredible just to see already like the community online that you've been able to build. And I know that there's a lot of overlap also with our passions around young women and our stories. And I mean, you have an incredible story as well. And would love to like if you could just start by sharing maybe like where does your mental health journey begin? Yeah, I mean, the first time I noticed my mental health and I didn't even know that's really what it was like mm. called at the time, but really I noticed feeling really sad and just intense emotions. And I was like 13, 14. 
Um, and, you know, my parents are don't have mental illness. Like it doesn't run in like my immediate family. And so I just thought I was honestly kind of going crazy. I was like, why my life looks good on the outside. Like, why do I feel so terrible and so sad all the time? Um, and I had no idea like what depression even was at that point. So I kind of thought I was going crazy and, um, because I wasn't telling anyone either, like I was really ashamed of it. I was really ashamed of these emotions. And, um, so I kind of just spiraled into a lot of self-destructive behaviors because I really like was keeping it all pent up, like didn't know other people were going through the same thing. Um, a lot of my friends were even going through the same thing at that time. Um, and so for me, I was just trying to find anything that like would make the pain kind of go away even for a second. So I really struggled with at the time, like self-harm, uh, substance abuse, um, and you know, suicidal ideation. Um, some suicide attempts, which is really, you know, what led my parents to seek help beyond, you know, just normal therapy. Um, so that's kind of where it all began. And just it felt it was just super lonely. And like, I had no idea how to deal with anything. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, I completely relate to that, especially like in middle school, the angst of I think oh so God. much shit happening in the world. Yeah, and like your identity, you're figuring out who you are, like, friendships are like ebbing and flowing yeah. and you're figuring out how to be a good friend or what that looks like you know first relationships like that yeah. was big um and just like you know general even just my body changing was hard with like self-esteem and body image yeah. so um yeah, every like middle school and high school, it's like all the things are happening at once. So a lot of this mental health, you know, kind of the pay, the emotional pain is really in middle school. Where are you living at this time? Yeah, so I'm in Utah. So I grew up most of my childhood in Utah. Um, Salt Lake City? Yeah, like okay. suburb of Salt Lake. You know, my family, they're big skiers. Like if anyone who's listening knows anything about Utah, you probably think of Mormons. So it's like a very, <laughs> very religious culture. Like it's interesting because I've never really been to another place like this where it's so ingrained in the culture. Like a lot of things are closed on Sundays type of thing. And, um, you know, my family's not religious though. Like we just didn't go to church growing up yeah. or anything. And even so like that culture, especially at the time around like women and like sexual shame and everything like that. Cause you can't have sex before marriage in like traditional, you know, Mormon belief. So, um, you know, when I started being like sexually active, I also had like some sexual trauma. Um, you know, that was like a really big deal at the time. Like, and, um, yeah. And so there's like even a lot of shame around that, even though it wasn't really against my core beliefs, like to have sex before marriage, for example, um, it was against like a lot of my friends and a lot of you know, like half the state really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of culminates like your, your journey with mental health and substance abuse as well to you getting like kidnapped out of your bed when you're 16 <laughs> yeah. and entering the troubled teen industry, which is, yes. we, I think came to light more in the last year with Paris Hilton mm -hmm. sharing her story. And I know we've seen some viral TikToks of you sharing your story <laughs> as well. Yes. Um, and and so, yeah, like what, like, were there any signs that that was going to happen, that that was being organized by your parents? Were there warnings or like, where did this come from in your life? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, it kind of culminated because I was struggling with like suicidal thoughts yeah. and ideation. Like that was really big. And um, you were open with your parents about well, it. Well, it kind of like came to a head in yeah. like a moment. So right between my sophomore and junior year, we actually moved to the Bay area. Mm -hmm. um, and so like completely new school, completely new environment. 
um, you know, when I was 16. And it was kind of like culture shock, quite honestly. Um, and no friends, super lonely, suicidal, all came to a head, kind of like broke down to my parents at one point. And, you know, I wasn't really like going to therapy at that time. And I was just kind of like, I need help as well. Um, and they kind of felt like, okay, we can't, we've done as much as we can at home essentially. And yeah. so, you know, what happens when like parents feel that way and feel like they need more than just like therapy help for their kid if they're under 18, usually they find someone called like an educational consultant. And that's pretty much a, a person whose job it is to like place you in like residential treatment programs mm -hmm. or like wilderness therapy, like troubled teen industry, um, which, you know, if anyone has seen Paris Hilton's documentary, like a lot of it is about that and her experience there and her trauma there. It's like a totally unregulated industry. She's doing a lot of work to try to change that. But like, you know, there's, and you don't know it at the time, like you don't know a lot of these therapeutic practices are weird yeah. or like traumatic and harmful. Um, at least I didn't, cause it's so, you're just with the same people for like two years and you're not talking to anyone in the outside world. You're not allowed to leave like the, you know, the campus or wherever you're at. And so, you know, you really just kind of get like, brainwashed in a lot of ways there yeah so when did this happen like at what point in the school year it was right before it was four okay. days before Christmas <laughs> like oh my god yeah we went and I was first sent to like wilderness therapy in southern Utah so that's usually it's almost like a holding place for like parents then to figure out where to send you longer term um so hiking for like three months straight in the snow like huge backpack you know you're like eating just like rice and beans all the time. You make fire with sticks, like, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, like, I just remember it being so cold and like, you're sleeping under a tarp with 10 other girls. They have a therapist come out like once a week to the field and do therapy with you. But like, other than that, you're just like hiking. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, and like detoxing, honestly. Yeah. It was, that was kind of rough. Um, so that was like December, 2010. Yeah. Okay. So this is what before Instagram or, um, I think Instagram pr came out in 2010. So, okay, like, so like just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I kind of missed like the first two years of Instagram. Cause like you weren't allowed to have a phone or internet or anything like that. So, um, and did you yeah. know that this was coming? Like, did your parents say, Hey, some strange dudes are going to come and you're going to fly out to Utah? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, again, I'm like, I knew they were like trying to figure out other ways to help me, yeah. but I didn't really know what was like going on. Also, like at the time I was honestly like high a lot of the yeah. time. And so a lot of it's like pretty blurry too. Um, but I, I was just like kind of out of my mind. And so they were just like, and that's kind of just the standard, like most people that get sent to these programs, like that's how they get sent is mm -hmm. like people come to your bed middle of the night, like take you to the airport, like two dudes, essentially your parents like sign. And again, like people are telling your parents, like you need to do this essentially. Yeah. So your parents kind of like sign your right, their rights away as like guardians for, you know, X amount of time while they transport you across state lines, like to yeah. a wilderness program. And do you remember like protesting going or was it something where you were kind of like, yep, I guess it's time. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was kind of both at the beginning. It's just like shocking because mm -hmm. you really don't know like what's happening like in that moment. And also you're like, I'm being taken away, but my whole family's here, like kind yeah. of watching it. Um, and so like, that was like really like sad, like that kind of image is like burned in my head, but you know, 
kind of once I like got on the plane, I kind of accepted it. And there is like a level of relief too, because mm-hmm. I was just like, I didn't want to go to school like anymore. Like I just like didn't really want to exist anymore at all. Yeah. And so like in a way it kind of was like a way out, although I didn't really know like what I was getting myself into. But um, yeah, I pretty much like had accepted it like by the time I got there. Yeah. yeah. I relate so much to that concept of relief. I remember like also being in a dark spot like 2020 and finally like getting to rehab and even though it was like super upsetting to be there it was like oh I don't really have to worry about existing because someone else is responsible for making sure that I stay alive literally (laughs) and you have no responsibilities like like I had taken I think the SAT and ACT the week before that or something you know and so like no responsibilities like uh you know the school element is like super easy it's like not in school um but yeah no there is a level and again like you aren't talking to any of your friends like you're pretty much only talking to your family and other girls there so yeah so you go to this wilderness camp yeah and you're there for three months hiking Mm -hmm. you made your own fork and spoon yeah I mean that was like the first night they're just like oh yeah they give you like everyone has their own little like pot that they cook their food in and you have your food like every week they give you a, a new supply but they, yeah, they're like, yeah, there's no spoons. Like you have to eat, um, essentially like with sticks or like with your hands until you can carve yourself a spoon. That was like part of the initiation process. Oh I know. And then it was fine. Cause I was on like suicide watch and self-harm watch. So I wasn't allowed to like hold a knife for like, yeah. probably, I think it was probably the first week or two. And so like, I couldn't like carve a spoon. I was like, okay, oh, I have a knife to carve it. They're like, no, you can't like actually I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right. <laughs> okay. So you're in wilderness camp. And then what happens after that? Yeah. So then um then I was sent to what they're they're called like therapeutic boarding schools so like this is where I literally graduated high school from here um so that mine was called Spring Ridge Academy it's in Arizona a lot of these schools are in Utah like Arizona you know Montana um and so my parents picked me up from wilderness therapy we drive to where this uh school was in Arizona um I was just like happy to be out of the woods like I was like oh my god like civilization real food like this is great um and then you know they dropped me off at the school and like yeah that was like such a weird day because immediately like they take all your clothes like essentially they take all of your rights and like privileges away Mm -hmm. as a human being like staff literally and again because everyone there goes through the same process it's just kind of like oh this is how it's done and like there's a lot of messaging of like, you're a bad kid. You deserve to be mm. here. You got yourself here. When in reality, most of us had like childhood trauma. We didn't know how to cope with that manifested in behaviors that like let our parents to send us here because they yeah. just didn't know what to do in a lot of cases. So um, yeah, so they like give you a uniform. Like it was like a school, you know, those plaid skirts and like every, <laughs> you had to wear like a bright red shirt, like polo when you first got there, like hideous. Um, yeah, you had, I think a pair of pajamas too. And they give you like clothes to work out in. Um, but that's like pretty much it. And yeah, when you first get there, like staff will, would watch you like shower and cause you're always being supervised yeah. like, at all times. And, um, you know, they'd watch you shower because they like, if you're like a self-harm yeah. risk or something like that, um, which they just tell you you, you are and you're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you have to ask for permission to like enter and exit any room. You always have to be in eyesight of like a staff member. Um, you know, <laughs> you're in like rooms with the two bunk beds in them and they um, like every 15 minutes they have to do a bed check 
on everyone. And so they shine like a bright ass flashlight in your face, essentially every 15 minutes all night long. Like, and it it was just like wild. Like it was just so different than like anything in the real world. And you just literally have to like learn how to survive there. And how many girls were in your class? There are like anywhere between 50 and 60 at a given time there. And like all ages, I mean, we were all in high school. So I was actually probably on the older end a lot. We're like 14, 15. I was 16, 17 when I was there. But, you know, you left when your therapist said you could leave. So, so you didn't go home for summers? Uh, no, no. Okay. I went home. So I, my therapist said I could like graduate from that program as I was graduating high school. So I like graduated on time and everything went home that summer before going to college. But, um, uh, yeah, no, you don't go home. Like it's year round school. Cause a lot of us went to like wilderness therapy. So yeah. we missed like a semester of school too. So you yeah. have to catch up on all that. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much every day is the same. It's like, get up at like 5 30 AM. We always had like workout like class or instructor or something like on the weekdays, or it was like yoga or something. Um, and then like breakfast, then school most of the day. Um, and then after in the afternoon, it'd be like group therapy or like support groups, which a lot of it was like giving each other feedback, yeah. which is like kind of attack therapy. And just like, honestly, it's turned me off of group therapy, like permanently because of that. Um, and yeah. And then you'd have to do a sport in the afternoon. Like <laughs> it was like, I was on the varsity, like soccer team or whatever. And there was like one other school in the area that was also a therapeutic boarding school that we'd play. Like that was like, our little <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> and I was like, and like, I think it got like shut down while I was like there. So anyway, but, um, yeah. And then you have like a, at some point you have individual therapy and family therapy during the week. So you're still in touch with your family. Yeah. The first month you're there, you're not allowed to talk to them. Yeah. And then you earn kind of slowly rights back to spend more and more time with them. So I think it was every week you had a group, like a family therapy call um, with your therapist and your parents. And then when you like, they had phases essentially. So your therapist would be like, okay, you can have like some of your rights back essentially. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And so it's like, phase like one through four and so phase two and they like called them random things too but like and you'd get like report cards every month of like therapy things that you needed to work on and you like get a score so like those mattered way more than like grades quite honestly because you're like this is like my freedom and so then eventually your parents could come um and take you like off campus for I think three days and you had to stay in the state of Arizona then phase three you could go on like home trips but like you couldn't talk to any of your friends. Like it's yeah. kind of a bizarre like home trip and you had to be supervised at all times. And then phase four, you were allowed to talk to like one or two therapist approved friends, like from like before. <laughs> um, but like, you know, and you could go home for longer, I think. Um, and you could be unsupervised on those visits. But um, so like, that's when I started going to like AA meetings and stuff yeah. was like at that point. But Did you maintain friendships from life before? Yeah, yeah. One uh, or actually three of my like very close best friends are from, um, yeah, Spring Ridge Academy. So like (laughs) we met each other at a very interesting time in our lives. One lives like super close to me here in New York. um, And so uh, it's actually her birthday this weekend. So like we see each other a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a bonding experience and there's structure. Mm -hmm. And I know, I mean, I feel like in the Paris Hilton documentary, which was kind of like the first mainstream look at this, it was a very negative look at it, right? It was a very like hard labor and (laughs) chores and 
things like that. Like what, how like realistic was that for in comparison to your own experience versus like how, like, I'm just curious, looking back on this experience, are you like overall positive? I'm glad I went or uh, this system should not exist and it did more harm than good. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to GEICO becomes an easy choice. Switch to and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We've partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. Yeah, I think I, it, my view on it's kind of changing since mm-hmm. the Paris Hilton documentary, because like for years, I had only talked to my friends I had met there pretty much about that experience. And a lot of it's like joking. And it's like, you're so glad you're out. You're like, whatever. And they pitch it to you as like the whole time you're there is like, you know, you're like, this is helping you. This is helping you. And yeah. so you kind of leave being like, wow, I just like accomplished something huge. Um, my school is not like that I know of, at least while I was there, it was not like physically abusive. So it yeah. wasn't as like, like intense seeming as Paris Hilton's uh was um but like definitely like some of our punishments were like go like we had to like walk I don't know and carry like a bag of sand in like the desert for like two or three miles or something like and at one point we had to there's like a gravel driveway and like we had to like rake the gravel like you know there's just like random kind of shit like that but it wasn't physically abusive I think it's like a lot of it is just kind of like emotionally traumatic to be in that situation for so long and at such like kind of a formative age yeah Um, like definitely shaped my view of the world but to survive places like this like you have to make close like good supportive friends so that really taught me how to make very supportive relationships with other women specifically and that where you can be vulnerable and like be real with each other and like and I I had good girlfriends growing up, but like we didn't have a relationship like that necessarily um, at that time. So, um, so that was like a huge positive takeaway from it. Um, now, like I learn more about it and even like making TikToks about yeah. it, I'll remember things that happened and I'll be like, that was like kind of messed up. Um, and so I think it's sh- the whole system shouldn't exist. Like there needs to be a better solution for kids who like, okay, they need maybe like some type of inpatient thing like they need treatment yeah that's more than just like hourly or once a week therapy but like the industry like needs to be regulated it needs to like have actually science-backed therapy like therapy that they do there so um something should exist but like not the way it is now yeah yeah and so where you are now is your 
Um, now living in New York, Ivy educated, uh, <laughs> venture backed founder yes. with a startup app that is attracting incredible support and community. Like, what happens from 18 year old Haley coming out of Spring Ridge mm -hmm. to now? Yeah, I mean, so much. So I started college at a school in the Pacific Northwest called University of Puget Sound. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. Like I was like one of two kids in the whole class that came in like undecided apparently, <laughs> but like didn't know what I wanted to do. Ended up really falling in love with like chemistry and math and physics. Um, so I transferred um, because it was a super small liberal arts school. So they didn't have like engineering there. So transferred to Columbia, got in there and did chemical engineering uh, to get like a second bachelor's degree, literally. <laughs> and then like, and then I stayed another year and did my master's degree in chemical engineering there. Um, and I honestly didn't even really want to be like a chemical engineer in practice. I loved studying it, but then I was like, became a data scientist, like right after school. So didn't use my degree at all, <laughs> but I had a great time getting it. Um, and yeah. And then my last job before chill pill, I was the director of like a STEM entrepreneurship program for high school students, um, which was like for, you know, for two years was mostly remote because of COVID um, and partially, you know, inspired uh, chill pill or largely inspired chill pill really. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of like the whole journey yeah. from then. Yeah. 18 to now. I mean, I feel like if I were Springdale, you'd be like the success story of like, oh, we took Haley and we had her carry sand or something. And like, and right? you know, then she went to Columbia and became a chemical engineer. Like, I mean, I think that it, I mean, it's remarkable. And I also think that, you know, you, you were telling me like, as you're going to college, this is a time when you're also doing AA, right? Yeah. So like, Again, when you get to these places, they'll usually, if you've done like any drugs or yeah. drink, cause you're like underage, right. They'll tell you like you're an addict or alcoholic. And again, to like move through the program, you just have to accept the things they yeah. tell you and like, just do honestly what they say. Um, but so what happened is when I was there and obviously there's no drugs or alcohol yeah. at that school. So I was sober. And then I started towards the end of my like stay at Spring Ridge, um, started going to AA meetings, like when I was home in California, visiting my family. And I like fell in love with it. I love like, and at the time, like I did identify like fully as an alcoholic. And it was like, so special because I was coming from like, group therapy all day, every day by like, in some cases, like untrained, like therapists, I, I guess they're not technically therapists, um, to something where like, if you haven't like been to an AA meeting or a 12 step meeting. They're really cool because it's led by alcoholics for alcoholics. Like it's usually one or two um, just volunteers from the community leading, you know, a meeting around various topics around alcoholism. But really what was cool is when you're sharing, you can only share about your own experience. You can't give advice. You can't give feedback, like, which yeah. is what I liked about it. Cause I was like, so used to just constant, like attacking feedback. Um, and you can't comment on like what other people have shared. So it's a lot of, it's like storytelling really. And it's just like, oh, you're getting validation for anything you're going through. Like, you know, there people are clapping or nodding or laughing. And um, it's like a very, very strong community. Like if you kind of buy into it and like, you know, invest your time in like doing the 12 steps and all that stuff. Um, but like, I just loved that style of meeting because again, it just felt like a safe place to share and you weren't being judged by like a professional and there's not really moderation because you're just yeah. talking about your own story, you know? And so, um, 
I mean, it's been around almost 100 years. It's gotten millions of people sober. Like, there's so many 12-step programs from that. And it was started by, like, two alcoholics in the 1930s who, one, like, wasn't even sober. Like, couldn't yeah. stay sober, you know? And, like, that's how it kind of came to be. But, yeah. yeah. So you're doing – how have, were you doing AA, like, all through college until you started Chill Pill? Or what has that kind of journey been like? And yeah. how does it influence what Chill Pill is now? Yeah. So, like, it's a huge influence on Chill Pill. So – I was doing it until I was 21. So I moved to New York at 21 and transferred to Columbia. Got like a really good psychiatrist um, <laughs> who I love. I still see to this day um, who like specialized in addiction and alcoholism and that type of stuff. And so he like kind of switched up a lot of my medications because I had been diagnosed at that point with like bipolar two, maybe one. Like I had a bunch of like yeah. kind of random diagnoses. Um, and so he helped me find, you know, over the course of maybe like 10 months or so, um, like the right kind of medication cocktail for me. And I was still going to meetings when I was here. I was still sober. Um, cause again, that was a huge part of my life, but like, I just, just started going to meetings being like, I don't know. I just like, didn't relate to like how people were talking about their lives or like the unmanageability of all of it anymore. And I was kind of like, I, like, have never drank as, like, an adult, like, as a yeah. legal adult. Like, I kind of want to, like, try it. And literally in AA, like, in their literature and just, like, their ethos, it's like, oh, if you think you can take a drink, like, go try. Like, that's literally, like, because, it, you know, their whole thing is if you're an alcoholic, you either won't be able to stop drinking yeah. or you'll be obsessing about drinking more. Um, so, and they're, like, an alcoholic's, like, will if you're thinking that, like, you'll try it eventually. So just, like, go try and, like, do an experiment. So with him, we kind of came up with, with my psychiatrist, I came up with a plan of like, okay, let's try like moderated drinking, like, you know, one drink a week type of thing. And like, you know, kind of work up to then not having to like yeah. structure it. And I was just like, okay, like this is fine. So, um, so yeah. So like, and I'm kind of like, okay, I could still be like an addict or alcoholic. Like maybe that comes up later in life, but like AA will always be there. So I'm like, and again, I'm like, I really support that program. So I could always kind of go back. That's like my mentality. But as long as, you know, it's not like running my life, I don't have like obsessive thoughts over drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like, there's not like a need. And so, um, so yeah. So, but anyway, that style of support group that like no professionals, you know, led by members of the community, you know, sharing about only your own experience. I've kind of like mimicked that in various areas of my life. Like when I've wanted my own support groups, especially after I left AA, cause I was like, I need, it was nice to share in those yeah. meetings. So like, um, so when I was in the Society of Women Engineers, like at Columbia, I did like some, you know, women in engineering support groups. Um, and which was essentially AA. Literally, like, I mean, yeah. literally, and it's like, you could kind of share about like anything. And yeah. like, and so, um, so during, you know, my last job during COVID, like most of it was during COVID, I'm clearly open about my mental health. Yeah. A lot of my, you know, now former students, especially the girls were coming to me and being like, I'm struggling with my mental health for, for the first time. What do I do? I don't, you know, want, a lot of them didn't want to go see a therapist or they had, didn't have access to therapy. Um, and they're like, I just want to find like supportive friends who get yeah. it, who I can talk to. I was like, let's see if we can essentially copy, you know, that AA style meeting on like online. Um, and I had signed up for like clubhouse at the time. And it was like, when I signed up as like, you have 400 friends already on clubhouse. I was like, I definitely don't. Cause like, I thought it was like a <laughs> venture, like VC tech bro thing. And then, but I looked at all my contacts 
it was like all my AA contacts. They were mm. all on Clubhouse during COVID. So I was like, oh, audio only, that makes sense for like anonymous meetings. So I just like brought some of my former um, students, um, the girls, I was like, anyone who wants to sign up and do like audio only support groups on Discord, um, you know, I would give them like a topic, share about it, whole nine yards. Um, and so that was like going well. And then one of my friends who worked in venture capital convinced me to like raise money and start a yeah. company pretty much. So yeah. And now it's an app. Yeah. Now it's an app. Like it's cool because I mean, chill pill works and exists like without an app already. Like it's yeah. very much built by the community. Like they've created this safe space for themselves. Like I've, I started by creating some structure of how to interact essentially. Um, but like, it's very much community driven, created by the community. So, um, but the fact is like discord is not the ideal platform to do these groups. Like clubhouse isn't the ideal, like there's no place to really have this. And so that's why we decided to build an app. So like, it can really just be the home for the community yeah. and obviously like make it really engaging. Like it's all rainbow, there's lots of animations. And so have it be like a really kind of joyful experience because mental health gets so like dark and depressing and heavy sometimes it's like I don't I don't want to be in like a dark discord room <laughs> like talking about that I want to be in like a chill like it looks like a coffee shop in our app type of thing it so, really does yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway. but like rainbows and mm -hmm. animated yeah and like you can like press this like like a like heart button as many times as you want throughout the meeting so we were like how do you recreate like people in AA meetings like clapping yeah. after you share and stuff like that so there's also like a text chat during meetings. So if you're not comfortable, like you don't have to share in meetings to go. And it's all anonymous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have a username. And so like you have an identity there, but you, we don't like take your real name or like information beyond, you know, your phone number to sign up um, or email. And then, um, yeah, it's just avatars, like no profile pictures. And like that's intentional because yeah. it gets rid of like a huge, like, so much kind of layers of judgment that we have just like naturally as humans and especially like young women it's like okay because you're telling me something I'm gonna like perceive it differently than if I'm telling someone something so um because you don't know like what people look like at all or yeah. really like their station life or anything it kind of like levels the playing field a little bit and just it makes it feel really safe and supportive so yeah, yeah. I mean I think it's amazing because I get so many messages from like young girls every day who tell me about their what they're going through with mental health wise yeah. and for me I feel like from my place of privilege I'm like well do you have a therapist like yeah. can you go talk exactly. to a therapist and more often than not they're like no, yeah. like I either don't have a therapist or I don't want to ask for therapy or exactly. I have a school counselor, but there's the mandatory reporting thing. Yeah. Right. And exactly. like, I think I get a lot of those messages because I'm also super publicly open about like history with self-harm and suicidal mm -hmm. ideation, which none of those urges go away. Right. right? It's like yeah. something you kind of constantly deal with. And yeah, I just think it's like, that's why I'm super excited for Chill Pill to be out in the world, because I think that it not only solves for how therapy can be scary or inaccessible, mm -hmm. but also this like fear that I think a lot of young women have of like being found out exactly. about, you know, and like exposed for having these exactly. mental health struggles. So when does Chill Pill come out? Like where can people find out more about it? Yeah, so the app is launching on May 10th. So like less than two months from now, super excited. Um, so yeah, you can go to our website, chillpill.app um, and, you know, put in your email address. We're moving everyone over like our app beta, private beta is out. So we're moving everyone onto that over the next, you know, few weeks. So you can join before we launch. Um, 
And yeah, and you know, follow us on social media or follow me if you want to hear more like weird stories about the troubled teen industry. Um, but on our social media, we have a lot of members of our community on there and spotlighted. So you can kind of like get to know people um, before you even join. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you want to say what your TikTok handle is? Yeah. So chill pills is chill pill underscore app. Um, and then mine is Haley Caddis, which I assume my name will be in the, yes, yes. <laughs> the show notes. So you'll know how to spell it. But um, yeah, no, I'm just excited. I want like, even, you know, if you aren't a part of like our target demographic now, um, you know, spread the word about this to like any, especially like teenage girls to your point, like under 18, like that's really like our core community is, you know, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. And um, so spread the word to like any teenage girls, you know, um, you know, again, it's free to join totally accessible. You don't even have to go to the support groups. You can just scroll through people's like thoughts and reflections. And, you know, so there's a lot of ways to interact on it, but I'm so excited for it to come out. It's like, it's crazy to think like, wow, you've, I'm sure you can relate. It's like, oh, wow, I've like built a company. Yeah. I like built a product yeah. or something. It's insane. But yeah. yeah. Last question. Like, how is your mental health right now? Like as a female founder with the pressure of it launching, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's like up and down mm -hmm. like daily, like multiple times a day. And I mean, I'm I honestly actually feel like overall very, very good with my mental health. I mean, I go to weekly therapy, like I yeah. may, I work out, like I make sure to take care of myself. Like I have that routine down so that my baseline is usually pretty solid at this point. But I will say like the pressure of growing and engagement and everything like that, like that, you know, lots of anxiety around that. Mm -hmm. I put probably the most pressure on myself out of anyone. Um, so just like, but being aware and knowing I'm doing that, a lot of that, like, I don't have to fully let it impact my day. And honestly, like struggling with my mental health for years and having to build out this like toolbox of like yeah. coping skills um, has prepared me to be a founder and run a company and has prepared me for the ups and downs constantly because um, I, like honestly better than anything else has because I'm, I'm used to like having a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Right? So it's like this, this experience of up and downs, like that's not new for me. So I already know what to do with that. So I used to think like struggling with mental health held me back a lot, mm. but now I've realized like, oh no, it's like unlocked my ability to be able to do what I've always wanted to do, which is like making a big impact on the world, especially for young women. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that it kind of goes even to, I know my favorite chill pill saying that's on your tote bag is like, why be perfect when you can be yourself? And I feel like that is so much of I like resonate with that so much. And even with Tigress of just accepting, like mm -hmm. even in therapy, I'm not on this journey to like get rid of all my mental health issues, but yeah. like, because one, they're not going anywhere, but two, <laughs> like they can kind of be a superpower. Right. And like exactly. you can channel in a way that's really, you know, p positive. So yeah. yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for joining me. Um, make sure y'all go check out chill pill, um, launching in less than two months, Ooh. super excited. And we will talk to you all soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.